TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Welcome to another edition of 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. My name is Marcus Pierce, and this episode is proudly brought to you by the 2016 Greek Island Ikaria Longevity Retreat. If you'd like to learn more about joining Damo and myself and an intimate group of like-minded people in this magical blue zone, then go to www.100notout.com and register your interest. Now, this is part two of the inspiring Eddie Jaku. We interviewed him on the previous episode, and we have put more of Eddie's wisdom and inspiration into another episode here. If you haven't listened to the first First part, I can highly recommend going back to listen to that to give this uh, interview some context. If you have already, then I hope you sincerely enjoy part two of the inspiring Eddie Jaku. Eddie, I recently, uh, my son goes to a school in Melbourne um, and you spoke at that school, Melbourne Grammar School. And, yes, um, I did. And unfortunately, um, the event was sold out and it sold out within probably 13 hours of the event actually being announced. In, in other words, in other words, um, of the, let's say, 10,000 people that could have potentially attended that event, only 250 were able to see you, which I feel very lucky and blessed that I get a chance to listen to you now and interview you. And this could go out to millions of people downloading this particular podcast, which is exciting because your message gets out there. But okay. what I'd love to know is... How are you able to talk with such grace about your experiences? What kind of healing have you had to go through? Did you use psychologists? Were you using psychotherapists? Was it prayer? Was it you no. know, going to the synagogue? What, 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 how did you do it? I tell you, when I came back to Belgium, I found my best friend. His name is Kurt. He passed away two weeks ago. But to find him, we were friends before the war in Belgium, and we were in many camps together, and some we were not. And we lost each other, and I left him in Gleiwitz, which is the border between Poland and Germany. And I was he was liberated two days later by the Russian, and I was with the Germans another six months. When we met together, it was something, I tell you, I can never describe. The happiness, the feelings, the it was something like if I won, I don't think I would, if I win the big lottery, I wouldn't be as happy as meeting him again, living with him for seven, eight months together, sleep in the same bed and think running around in the street, I told you, holding hands and kissing each other. And this was something, you know, this is what I say, what about friendship? When I was in a hospital in Auschwitz, he made through the war, through the through the snow, through the rain, he brought me some soup because he thought they don't feed you in the hospital. It's it's incredible and unexplicable what a friend will go through for another if it is true friendship. So when we came back, but I felt sorry for the people which were my friends, brothers and sisters who didn't make it. And I had a complex for a few months. When my wife, when we were engaged, I must have been the worst boyfriend she ever had <laughs> because I didn't want to go to the cinema. I didn't want to go to the theater. I didn't want to go dancing. 
I had this impression that I have to avoid the people, uh, lots of people. And it's only until when my son was born that I became normal. Then I had a new responsibility and a, a new life. I became a normal person two years after I came back. My son was born in 1948. And I can tell you, I had to go to a shrink, to a doctor to find out. Because I was saying, why am I alive and not the others? What is special with me? And so I think this has given me the attitude and maybe also the drive to be better, to be more tolerant, more understandable than the other people who didn't go through that. And I wanted always to be better, better friend, better father, better husband, better. So I think a lot. I am a thinker. I buy flowers or I buy this or buy that. I take them out to my birthday, to their birthdays and things like that. It's very important to me because I didn't think they deserved not to have any family before. Now we have quite a bit of family. And there is no really explanation why I want to do that. But it is a duty, and I hope I can do it for a few more years. I always say to myself, I will now speak till I drop dead. I have to help and make sure that people, like yesterday, I had a priest, a bishop in the museum. Only for a few minutes, I have never saw a bishop crying. And he was crying like a baby, because he also said, you know, sometimes you ask yourself, where is God? If you believe in God, why God is allowing this to happen? And if there is a God, I don't think any God will say, kill in my name. This is not possible. And all the people, doesn't matter what persuasion, what religion, they have to understand. We are not allowed to do criminal things. And I believe also that if you're well, if you do good things, like I'm hope I'm sure you do, you'll be one day rewarded. And if you do bad on this world, maybe you will be punished in another world. I don't know. I haven't been there yet. <laughs> Eddie, I'd, I'd, love, <laughs> I'd love to ask you, um, you spoke about Kurt, and I really, um, I, I read a wonderful article, and I'll make sure we put it in the show notes. And from what I can gather, you, you speak of, you know, so fondly of the friendship that you have. And Damien and I often talk about on this podcast that, you know, having a great social life, a great friendship group, a great peer group is so important to, to living a great life. But from what I've understood, from what I've researched and read about you, that you got to a point uh, when you were in one of the camps, it may have been Auschwitz, it may have been a different camp, where two of your other great friends actually committed suicide on the electric fence um, yeah, that was surrounding yeah, two, the camp. Yeah, Yes. And you actually said to Kurt, um, come on, why don't we go do it as well? There's no food, there's no use, we're done. And from what I understand, Kurt actually uh, helped you change your mind, which, which for me would, would mean that no doubt, no wonder you feel such um, gratitude for the role that Kurt's played in your life, if, if that is the case. Sure. But I tell you, I think you, you saw that probably in my story, that I many times say to my friend Kurt, let's go to the wire we, we, we die in 30 seconds, electrocuted. And he said, no, 
just spontaneously. And when he was sick and came to me, I said no. And this is again, together, we are strong. But this was the decision of those other two men, very good friends of us. We were really four in the beginning in Auschwitz. And then these two uh, committed suicide, you know, burned beyond draw. It's incredible. And, uh, you know, when you see, when you see people hanging every day, when you walk out, you see people hanging, when you walk back from work. I walk, I work in Bayer. This is seven kilometers from Auschwitz. And, and I walk through the snow in this rotten clothes. You're cold. You're cold. You're hungry. You're maybe sick. You, you have headaches. You have throat headaches. It's all sorts of things. You have, you have never seen the shoes are wooden shoes. They don't bend. You walk funny. You're already tired when you come to work and then you have to work very, very hard. And then back. And sometimes you say, that is not as, as bad as you see it from, from your point of view. But when you're in a camp like this, that is very close to you because every day in Auschwitz can be. Listen, I don't know if I have in my stories uh, told them or told you that one day I was stopped by an SS, by a guard. He punched me in the nose, just above, under my eyes, with a knuckle duster, broke my nose, and said, was bist du? What are you? And I answered, I mensch, that is a human in German. Another one, and blood came out of my nose and my ears. And he said, was bist du? And a little Polish Jew, only 18 years old, he shouted to me, Sag Judenschwein, I had to say, I am a Jewish pig, or he killed me then and there. Wow. That's Why? terrible. Oh my gosh. Why? For many months I say, how do I look? Do I look different to the others? Why picking me out and punch me like that? And want me to say Judenschwein? Why? Nobody gave him the order. He was alone. I took his number. He has a number on his collar. And and uh, I couldn't find him after the war when I was liberated. I went. I looked for him. Probably died somewhere. I don't know. Mm. So you see, all this, I want people to understand. They read about Auschwitz. They see films. They see. And you see, when I see the beheading now in Syria or Iraq, I think I'm back in 1930. Yeah. People don't realize how fast something can happen like that. When you deal with people who don't value any human life, they just become murderers. Now, can you live in a society like that? I couldn't anymore. You see, when you see that and you have them next to you, I can understand that people commit suicide, you know, because they say nothing has happened. We lost a very good man, Pino Levy, who killed himself after 30 years after Auschwitz because he said nothing has changed. It's not true, but when you see what's the world going now, then they haven't learned much. I don't believe the world has learned a lot. 
There's been a couple of um, amazing messages that you've yeah. uh, shared with us today. One is that um, as a community, we need to act together and work together to ensure that uh, our world and our country remain safe and well and happy. You also shared the power, the immense power <laughs> of friendship, um, which is beautiful because we speak on that all the time. We see that you have purpose, Eddie. Your purpose is to help spread a message, um, which I think <laughs> is very pure and very raw and uh, very emotional. And, and in, in spreading that message with purpose um, and obviously um, maintaining passion and dedication yeah. but also having friends, yeah. these are the things that we've found um, help people age successfully. And it seems to me that your purpose um, will will – Help you stay alive, I think, for another maybe ten or twenty or thirty years, because oh. it's, <laughs> and, and that'd be good, and that would be good for the world, and that'd be good for the world. So, um, I'd like to thank anyway, you for joining if us. If you come to amazing. Sydney, you're my guest, and you, you, I give you a tour of the museum. Oh, Damien and I would absolutely love that, love Eddie. It. It's, yeah, you've love been it. absolutely remarkable, Eddie. Thank yeah. you so much. Do you are in Melbourne or in in you are in Byron Bay. Damien's in Melbourne, and I'm in Byron Bay. Oh, yes. oh, so yes. we'll make sure we join forces and come visit you in person. Wouldn't that be a great experience, Damo? Oh, yes, great. lovely, lovely. Yes. Yes. You see, because I go twice a year. And I go every year. It will be my 11th year this year that I go to Canberra and speak in Dundrun and the, uh, and the uh, Defence Force Academies to students and, and officers. Wow. Fantastic. And, it's been a, and yeah. I give them also. I give them... I speak a different way because I speak to them that they become leaders. Also the university. I was in Brisbane University. Now they want me back in, in, uh, in July. I go back to Brisbane. I, because I tell the people who become ac- academics that they become, they're supposed to become su- uh, role models, not disappear in the jungle. I say to 800 students in Brisbane on nine, nine, 2013, I said to them, if you disappear in the jungle now, then your parents have wasted a lot of money <laughs> because they become doctors, lawyers, scientists, physicians, chemists, and they should be outstanding and they should not disappear in the jungle here and go down and do living like an, an ordinary person. They are, should be up on a pedestal and give orders and help to improve the standing of their societies, you see. Hey, Eddie, can I ask you... In Germany, we we fall in love. I tell you, we fall in love with our profession. And that's why we become good. My my profession saved my life. I always had a Mm. job. In any camp I was, I worked for one company or the other. I worked for Siemens, I worked for Carl Zeiss, I worked for Bio, IEG, Electrical, and so forth. And that's what I also want to impress the children when I speak to them, that your profession will be part of your life. If you fall in love, you will do a good job. If you hate it doing, you will do a bad job. That is so important because we often talk about that in the example of Alice. Okay, Okay, my friend. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I hope. Yeah, so that's great, Eddie. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. All your, My your pleasure. You, you've been really wonderful. and um, nice to talk to you. Okay. I look, okay. look forward to talking with you again. Thank you so much for joining all us, All the Eddie. best. All the best. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, Jamo, that 
It was a wonderful interview with uh, with Eddie and um, gave us so much of his time. And tell you what, there's a lot of wisdom in that man, isn't there? Yeah, there sure is. Um, it was incredible. And there were so many times where I thought, oh, I could ask a question. Oh, I could ask a question. But I just wanted to let him go because mm. it was just, you know, there was, there was it was oozing. And I, I wish I had got to see him in person, um, live, um, just recently. So it'd be wonderful, MP, you and I to head up to Sydney and, and, um, or you'll head down. We um, could organize a little tour. We could, we could get a few tour. 100 not outers and get Go a special there. tour with Eddie. Yes. That could be amazing. Imagine that. that I wonder, be. I wonder if we said to everybody right now, uh, if they let us know if that's what they'd like to do, if we could actually organize that. I'm sure we could. Yeah, definitely. We could put it on our Facebook page and put it on Facey, Instagram yeah. it. Yeah. Tweet it. That would be a ripper. Yeah, we well, could do, we event, we could do like a little event and a and a tour all in one. Yeah, ooh, mm. Ooh. Mm. let us know what you think, everyone. Yeah, nice. But I think, like you say, there's so many questions that I had down here that I wanted to ask. But <laughs> at the same time, just to hear the words that he gave in his own, like you said, raw and emotional form, is um just sit there and listen. Just sit there and listen. It's just yeah, just remarkable. Nonstop. Yep. Yep. Um, I just, I think, I just want to do a little summary on a couple of things he said, Damo, before we finish up, because there's a few things I just feel like we have to just drive home. And and one big one was that he said at the end, and I was going to ask him about it, but he needed to rush off. And that was the fact that his life purpose, like his his career, his job, uh, which he was, he didn't actually say what it was, but he was a a technical. Um, he made uh, instruments, surgical instruments. So he was a surgical instrument technician. That kept him alive. That, yep. did it, it, that kept him alive. He didn't tell the story and probably good that he didn't, but you can read all about it. He worked, he actually worked for, in the camps, a man who was known as uh, the doctor of death, I think. Uh, was that the, angel the angel of death. Of death. Angel the angel of death. Of death. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dr. Joseph Mengele. And, um, you know, he made instruments and, and a table and, and for this doctor. And, but at the same time, it's that, it's that job that actually kept, because he was of use to the Germans, to the Nazis, it was the actual, that was what kept him valuable within the camps. And then that was also what, um, you know, he, he says that he put in four applications to, move countries and Australia was the first one to accept him. But his wife was telling me that within three days of arriving in Australia, he was hard at work, you know, working away, working away. And so his it's life incredible. purpose is really what's allowed um, Eddie and his family and the community to, um, yeah, to, I suppose, be part of his legacy. So, and I think we can't, we can't forget that what that story of friendship, just incredible, isn't it? How important your peer group is to your own um, survival. Oh yeah, totally. Absolutely. Ah, it's just amazing. Um, and it was, it was just a wonderful reminder of the many things that we can all actually do and, and just to do incredible things. Yeah. Okay, we'll leave it there on part one of this interview with Eddie Jarku. Remember, folks, we'd love to hear your feedback. You can provide in any number of ways. The best is to go to our website at thewellnesscouch.com forward slash 100 not out. Also, check us out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash 100 not out. That is all letters. Remember, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Check us out at thewellnesscouch.com where you can view the entire range of wellness podcasts available. And until next week, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter, The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives.
Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.